welcome to Lonely Girls, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. My name is Madeline, and I would love to persuade you to give a big round of applause to my co-host, Rebecca Botter. Hello, I'm Rebecca Botter. That was really good. Thank you. That was really good. Can I tell you a little fun story of um Yeah, absolutely. Both of us have five siblings. How often were you called not Maddie? Oh, um, okay, so here's the deal. Okay. Because I only have one sister, mm. it wasn't as much of an issue as it could have been. However, my mom is one of four girls, and so I didn't get called my siblings' names. I got called my aunt's names. So oh. my mom would call me like Randy all the time. When Maddie said, this is my uh, co-host, Rebecca, I almost answered as I always do. I don't know if you've heard me say this, Maddie, but I'll just say automatically, I'm Rebecca. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rebecca. <laughs> because in my family, my dad or my mom or my sister – as being the kooky little bumbling botters, they'll yes. go, dad will look at me and he'll go, Mary, I mean, I mean, um, press, press it, uh, no, <coughs> Rebecca. And then he'll say my name, but then he'll keep going. He'll keep guessing. Right, right. He'll be so like, then once oh, he, oh, no. <laughs> no. So then once he says my name, I'll go, I'm Rebecca. Like, it, it, it's just this automatic thing. No, I'm Rebecca. Rebe I'm Rebecca. Rebecca. But I'm Rebecca. You know, have you ever, and forgive me if you've already said this, but have you ever called one of your siblings your name? Because that's a oh, new Oh, that, no, I, ha I have not called any of my siblings my own name. Mm -hmm. That, that's, is that something that happens to you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be pretty weird. <laughs> that would, yeah, no, that would be like really weird if you did that. <laughs> yeah, like I would um, do yeah, that. Yeah. And you would No, either. and you would never and you would never tell me. No, that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> if you had. What's like, what's usually the context that you're not doing that? Uh, like, oh, like if I was to not do that, I would, yeah. I would just call out to like my Like sister. are you usually in like an agitated state or is it no. more just like a. I Sometimes I'm just telling a story, you know, where like I'll use. <laughs> I'm like, and then Rebecca said, but then it's what Mary would have said, Hail Mary. Um, hail, Hail Mary. Hail Mary. And um, so, yeah, it's stuff like that. Anyways, um, welcome, everyone. <laughs> welcome, everyone. I'm Madeline, and yes. that's Rebecca. I'm Rebecca. And... <laughs> And we're like really excited to be talking to you guys today. There's this little known um, author. Uh, her name's Jane Austen. Yeah. And sometimes, occasionally, it's like not as like super well known, but she does have these like books that were written that um, people have like made into these like you know little little films. And recently, Netflix did Jane Austen like a huge favor and decided to <laughs> um, adapt, adapt her, <laughs> her posthumously uh, uh -huh. published uh, work, Persuasion, uh, and release it on Netflix. And uh, 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 we'll get into this a little bit more, but we decided that it, due to the nature of this podcast and due to um, a series of episodes that will be coming out mm -hmm. soon in regards to this little-known author, Jane Austen, um, we thought it might be a good idea to view this adaptation uh -huh. and just sort of like give our thoughts and, and feelings about uh, Anne Elliot. Dakota Johnson and um, the sort of lonely girlness of it all. Um, I would like to say Maddie and I once sort of watched half of Dune and I like, yes. you know, we were like looking at our phones a lot and I feel like I watched half of Dune and if they were like, hey, Rebecca, no, we, we don't. Can I tell you in like 
four sentences what happens in Dune 2. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah sure, give it to me. And they're yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. it. And I'm like, and then I've just watched a lot of like how I met your mother. It's like, I'll do, I'll do it like that. I mean, did I nail it or what? Yeah, yeah, you did. You absolutely you. did. Mm-hmm. Quite proud of that. Anyways, but before we dig in, we must discuss our lonely girl moment of the week. Rebecca, do you want to go first? Oh, yes. yes. Or do you want me to go first? Mm. I, I, uh, uh, uh. You sound like an eager beaver. You go. I recently uh, went to a, uh, a concert with my fake uncle Greg. We're not going to explain that any more than it needs to. Subscribe to the Patreon and we'll get Please. into that later. And and we'll let you know about my fake Uncle Greg. Uh, my fake Uncle Greg uh, took me to a Shins concert and it was great. We were having a lovely time. It's a really good show. Uh, and I uh, typically am, I'm like not one to do this, but <laughs> um, I had pulled my back out Um I pulled my back out, famously pulled my back out, slipped a disc in my back. Doing what, and, Maddie? Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, <laughs> I was doing a puzzle. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this actually ties in really beautifully to the subject that we are uh, just like sort of dissecting today in, you know, Sometimes we get old. Sometimes we're 28, you know? And sometimes when we're 28, doing a puzzle bent at like a weird angle will (laughs) cause the discs in our back Mm. to slip. Yeah. And so because I had been um, just like a puzzle girly and had really just flagrantly ignored my body saying, Maddie, stop. Don't don't bend over at this angle for six hours. Like, this really hurts. This isn't going to be good for you. Um, I slipped a disc in my back and couldn't, like, <laughs> I, I had to be one of those people that's like, I got to get up and walk around. I got to get up and, and move around during this concert because I could not um, sit for too long. That's the level of bad backness that this 28-year-old body has. So I had to move around during the concert. I had to, like, leave for certain periods of time to just go, like, walk around and, like, not cry because my back hurts so much. And the concert was taking place at the this theater in downtown Los Angeles called the Orpheum. It's this beautiful theater. It was built oh. in, like, the 1920s. It's There's gorgeous. There's Orpheum like it, in Memphis. That's, Ooh, I wonder if it's a historical I, reference. Sounds Greek. I bet it. Right? I was about to say, I bet it's. I bet it's Greek. Yeah, like Greek for amphitheater or something. Greek for like plays. concert. Yeah, we were at the Orpheum. I had to get up and walk around, and in order to like not appear as if I was just some, you know hobbling girl just like waddling around the lobby of of the Orpheum theater I walked upstairs and um got really like invested in all of the different little like carvings that people had done in like like the the railings and the banisters of the Orpheum theater there were ones that had like signed like the year that they had done it and there was one like Mm -hmm. the like the most far back one I found I think was like 93 which isn't like that long ago but I was still like wow in in 1993 that's before we were born I would just be like people's initials now (laughs) I wonder I wonder if they're married I wonder Mm. what concert they saw and the (laughs) the last time (laughs) I did that they saw (laughs) (laughs) they and they did I got so caught up in in looking at these initials that were carved and, and all the different names and the hearts and, and the everything that had been carved into like the railings on the upstairs level of the Orpheum that I like basically missed like 80% of the concert. How did fake uncle Greg <laughs> feel about that? He was just like, where are you? He sent me a text. He's like, are you alive? 
did you die? Did you keel over and die? And I said, yes. And then I went promptly back downstairs and, and saw the rest of the concert. But I, I just remember being so caught up in like sort of the magic and the mystery of this, of this theater from 40, no, not 40 years ago, like a hundred years ago, because mm -hmm. it's 2020. Uh, that I absolutely missed an entire concert. And I feel like that's a pretty lonely girl. I think that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very lonely girl thing to do. But I think one of the great things about this is, did you have fun, Maddie? Oh, I had a great time. See, that's all that matters. And, and I think that's really all that matters. That's all that matters. And fake Uncle Greg, I think he did exactly what uncles are supposed to do. Just being like, mm -hmm. you dead? Like, am I going to get in trouble? Pretty much. Yeah. And you're like, you won't get in trouble. And then he's trouble, like, no. Okay, great. Well, he's like, oh, great. Uh, I'm going to enjoy. Back to me. Back to the space. shins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back to the elbows. Yeah. Um, back to the fibulas. Okay. So mine. All right. Maddie, that's, yeah, that's, yes. Go ahead. Go, yes. go ahead. I would like to hear your lonely go, Mama Rebecca. All right. Um, by the way, everyone who asked, we did not find out what that song was. Um, that Maddie was looking for in the birthday episode. Once again, guys, white guy playing a guitar, acoustic saying, I love you. Please. Always. We know one of you knows exactly what we're talking about. You know, exactly. You, you know, and you're just keeping it hidden from us. And yeah. that's not no okay. No offense, but whenever I, I've only gone, I just went back to the coffee shop for the first time and I kind of feel like they're gatekeeping it from us. I like really think they know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um anyways guys it's perk in virginia highlands um so, yeah no i'm just kidding. yeah they're very sweet and cute but anyways but maddie did say she's like let's stop the lonely it's not the loneliest moment of the week it's the no it's loneliest, the lonely girl lonely moment. girl moment of the week and it doesn't always have to be a bad thing it doesn't always have to be me crying because oh. i don't know how doors work um, <laughs> um but sometimes right guys a lonely girl knows what famously it feels like to be lonely. And famously. I have been just, just, uh, July is passing. Maddie, I'm so sorry that you saw me in the peak of July. You, Listen, you, you we saw each other in the peak girl. of July. <laughs> we, Jul <laughs> and that means something to us. It really does. It really does. It was it was hard she saw she saw a new side of moi and um anyways but now it's towards the end people are home from their vacations people are ready to hang out again and i because i know what loneliness feels like i do appreciate tenfold i think what it is to be around people that i love and yes. so, like, it's like that Lady Gaga thing for right now. Bus, train, <laughs> yeah, club. train, club, another club, yeah, another club. Can't stop, won't stop. Like yesterday, what was it? Like yesterday, saw a friend, then went to class, three hours, more friends. Today, saw another friend. Now, recording a podcast. Like, I see at least two friends a day right now. That's Tomorrow's amazing three friends and it is very much like oh hell yeah because yeah. it's like for me it's not about like all these people but it's more just like getting connect to connect with people literally all I just yes. want to do is be with people I care about and so I'm I so know, thankful right? for all of them thank you thank you oh. thank you so that's that's my thing that's the that's that's a very yeah I think that, yeah, I think there can be something like the quest of the lonely girl is, is to strive for connection and strive to fight that loneliness in spite of it um, being there. Well, that like really leads us into like, a, I think that absolutely leads us into our episode topic um, in terms of like connection and loneliness and like seasons of our life passing and like more than more than three people <laughs> that's um and like and like <laughs> when you Yo. like text someone and you're like hey um could I persuade you to 
<laughs> spend spend some time. Yeah. Speaking of that, mm. we're going to be talking about Netflix's. Well, we're going to be ta- twofold. We're going to be talking about Netflix's recent adaptation of the Jane Austen film Persuasion, and we're going to talk about our thoughts, and then we're also going to talk about other adaptations, a subsequent and previous of Jane Austen's mm-hmm. Persuasion. So why did we want to do this? There's a lot of reasons why. Relevance, audacity, mm-hmm. expertise, and just overall, I think the desire to have something to say when we absolutely have something to say. Because it's not often that we have all the things to say on a specific topic, but I do think that between the two of us, we do have lots to say. Uh, We both wanted to preface this by saying everyone has gone far above and beyond out of their way to talk about how much they hated this adaptation we know it's bad yes we we agree it's really bad um but this isn't going to be just like uh you know a tomato throwing dog pile Mm -mm. this isn't going to be a scathing uh a scathing review of the netflix adaptation because you don't need that we more just wanted to talk about, I, I, w- I would say come at it from the angle of why potentially it didn't work in the way it did, what we would maybe change, and um, what we can the learn. Other, oh, oh, and oh, and what we can learn. Maddie and I are obsessed with learning. We can't stop. Oh my stop. gosh. We literally can't stop. It's like we're like so good at it. <laughs> okay. So, Rebecca, do you have a tiny summary on the 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 story of persuasion? Oh, hell yeah. Um so it tell so here we go. As of britannica.com. The reason I'm reading this is y'all, we've realized one of our mm. maybe our weakest point is summarizing something our single I'm, flaw our only flaw our only flaw really it's i'm putting off editing something where we try yeah. to summarize something and it took us 45 minutes and i am yeah. already so preemptively angry at us yeah oh yeah Ooh, baby. anyways okay persuasion tells the story of a second chance the reawakening of love between Anne elliott and captain frederick wentworth whom eight years earlier she had been persuaded not to marry. The not's important, guys. Wentworth mm-hmm. returns from the, the Napoleonic Wars with prize money and social acceptability of naval rank. And that's the end of that summary. But then they are now pushed in the same social circles. And there is tension of both of them are aware of this. And uh, mm-hmm. what will happen next? Ooh. That's- now, th- and that's... And that's persuasion. And that's persuasion. Um, so, before this adaptation came out, how familiar were you with persuasion? Very familiar. I remember yeah, being a senior in college. It was actually maybe the last one I ever read, but mm-hmm. immediately it was my favorite. Yeah. I've reread it multiple times. And I remember when Louisa fell, I was in my college dorm and I screamed. Um, so it, wow. You so you read the book before you saw any adaptations? Yes. And then, wow. I, then I saw the 1995 and it was um, – oh, so BT Dubs, Siren Hines, I saw him in the flesh once. Uh, we were both at the Globe watching a matinee of uh, absurdist performance of The Tempest – and the Tempest, oh. like, it was like, ooh, it's a tire. Oh, now it's a, the tire now represents the crown. And ooh, now the tire <laughs> represents um, sex. Because we're going to climb through the tower tire and have ooh. sex. It wasn't very oh. good. I don't think Siri and oh. Hines liked it anyways. I'm sure he okay, well, liked. Uh, well, that's good. I, I'm sure he, like, had some friends in it. But no, it wasn't very good. So Siri and Hines and I. Uh, experience you? art together for like two and a half hours that's actually really that's pretty cool yeah i i hope i get to do that one day you will <laughs> oh thank you so the so you read it you were familiar with it beforehand familiar mm-hmm. with the written work before the adaptation 
I saw the adaptation first, but I my the 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 best teacher, perhaps the only amazing teacher I ever had, um, was my tenth grade English teacher. His name was Mr. Wagter, the first and only teacher I ever had a legitimate crush on. He was very crushable. Ask anyone. Ask Ryan helps. Bixby. <laughs> right. He assigned for our final, you know, like project for the year. He just wanted us to write a thesis on something. He was like, I, I want to see what you guys like. I, I have a list of books. It was like you can choose from one of five books. Um, and it wasn't like your typical English literary fair. They were really like one was like The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Um, the Lovely Bones was one of them, which I thought was like really interesting for like just the time for an English teacher to be like, yeah, you write a thesis on this. And then the other one was Persuasion. And so being a little nerd, mm-hmm. I was like, I'll do Jane Austen. I'll do Persuasion. And I had seen the adaptation, but reading the novel, I was like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's like it's her best work. We talk about like the point in a writer's life where they stop Mm -hmm. inserting themselves into like the fantasy version of their character and they become brave enough to like really represent themselves in their truest, like most complicated, most unattractive form. And I think that's Anne Elliot for Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. I think Anne Elliot is like probably the closest to who Jane Austen might have been in real life. Yeah. Or the circumstances for sure she could relate the most to. I actually, what was Jane's sister's name again? Cassandra. Cassandra. I kind of get the feeling that Cassandra might have had a similar personality to Anne. Mm. Um, I wonder if Jane saw herself as like Elizabeth or as Mary. I feel like. I I, 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 um, I don't know. I think <laughs> Oh, she... I bet she saw herself as Elizabeth because she was this older unmarried sister. Well, Cassandra was older. Okay, this is what I get for not listening to the like <laughs> um, 15-hour biography is... of Jane Austen. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to, but you know some Jane out Jane I is out there and we've got to get ahead of them. Um, oh, absolutely. But anyways, yeah, I think because I think Jane really loved the the selfless, kind-hearted sister. And I think mm. she was kind of like, oh, Jane, you are like, oh, Cassandra, you are so good. And I think she writes these love letters to her sister over and over again. Mm. I think situationally she's very similar to Anne Elliot. Yeah. Just – this is me just riffing. I think it, she probably connects the most with Anne, but it wouldn't surprise me if – personality-wise, it was more Cassandra. Um, mm, no, that I think that's a really good argument. I never you. really thought about it like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they ha- there hasn't been a theatrical sort of like big budget. They've done, you know, like mini series, and they've done when Masterpiece Theater and PBS was doing their run of the Jane Austen works. Mm-hmm. They did one in 2007. But as far as the like big theatrical releases – We've got, you know, Sense and Sensibility, which was the first one, which was incredible, done by Emma Thompson, then, like, Pride and Prejudice, obviously. There was a Mansfield Park one that came out a little before that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another one. Like, Big of Budget? Well, yeah, Emma. that's been sort of, like... Well, there's oh, been yes. two Emma. Big Budget Emma, 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 Emma's. There's Emma's, the Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow Emma, and then yeah. there's the Anya Taylor-Joy um, and, and we then, talk of course, about, Clueless. Yes, obviously. We talk about all of this in um, uh, upcoming Jane Austen episode. But there's never been a big budget persuasion. No. Uh, theatrical release. And so I feel like in terms of the Jane Austen canon, that was always one that people were like, all right, when are we going to get our uh, – when are we going to get our big budget persuasion? When is it going to happen? Who's going to do it? And unfortunately, <laughs> it was these guys. It is now time we are entering. Everyone holds hands. We are entering a safe space. <sighs> We're entering a safe space. Okay, We're let's entering do this. a space that is free from. That is, uh, uh, listen, we're going to yeah. give ourselves like six minutes to be as angry as we want to be. Starting a time. About this. Yeah, yeah, no. To be as angry as we want to be about this adaptation. And that's all we're giving ourselves because it's 
futile. It's fruitless. Mm-hmm. Rebecca has her timer ready. <laughs> I, I really do. Because also, I will say, y'all, I've listened to four plus hours of people ranting about persuasion. Yeah. Guess what? Um, ha, ha, ha. <clears throat> it's not that interesting, people being mad really and making fun of something for not being as smart as they are, which you didn't make a movie, so calm yeah. down. It's not that interesting. Six minutes. I'm going to start us out. Maddie Darling, start. <laughs> okay, so like, hear me out. The this I wrote this down. This is the only note I wrote. Anne is supposed to keep everything beneath the surface. Her immediately revealing her true feelings leaves all tension out of the story. It is the most boring thing to watch because they reveal literally point blank from the beginning her her every internal thought. Okay, I'm done. Rebecca, go. Okay, cool. So it was a play. It was a play. <laughs> And it should be put on at the National. And there was actually yeah. famously a version of Jane Eyre that like had all these moving set pieces and everyone's like, jur, 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 and like moving all the set pieces and character and everyone hated it at the National. They hated it. Don't let the YouTube streaming where all the comments are like, yes, we're good. It was hated. And this is what it feels like. It feels like the 2017 play version of Jane Eyre at the National. Also, I found out what was wrong with this, and I already told Maddie, but pretend to be shocked. There is a great <gasps> video on um, on Netflix where Dakota Johnson talks about all the costumes in Persuasion, and she reveals what the misconnect was. She was like, this look was the Patti Smith-inspired look. This look is the punk rock pajamas. And I was like, this makes so much sense. It was like, it was like. That Dakota Johnson where- thought that that Anne Elliott was supposed to be punk rock. rock. And she was like, yes, modern woman, single modern woman. But she actually no, contrasts no, no, no. it because she's crying in a bathtub being like, yeah, I'm single and thriving. But she's crying in a bathtub, which are two different cross messages. So if you're going to play punk rock Anne Elliott, which you shouldn't. You actually did not fulfill punk rock and Elliot. So it's like, no, that's why people are getting so upset. Also her hair. Also the hair. Everyone else's hair was normal and fine. But Dakota Johnson's hair. was. She just hit the mic. (laughs) It was so bad. Mm -hmm. I like, I just think like. It, listen, if you're going to do like modernity versus tradition, I think that's a really interesting way to do Jane Austen. I think she's incredible because she's an author you can do that with. But like make it cohesive and consistent throughout. Don't give anybody else like little tiny ringlets and really tight buns and super like structured Regency clothing. Don't just do that to your lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also – It's like she's making fun of what Jane Austen was working in, which was the structure in the contained, in the tightness. And then that's why Jane Austen is so fabulous is she's playing around in all of the the suffocating air and tension. Also, guys, not saying Dakota Johnson is a bad actor. I need to see more of her work. However, those monologues um, were our favorite 1995. Why you love it, why it's so sexy is because it's all in the tension. It's all in the glances. That's what Sally Hawkins does too. She has the most like shimmery little sad, sad eyes. You can see every every single sentence that Dakota Johnson monologues Mm -hmm. in a single look from Amanda Root and Sally Hawkins. Yes. That's what they do and then also that's what acting is have you as maddie famously once told her it's not of her actors heart (laughs) and then also maddie once told an actor how about you try (laughs) acting which i think is hilarious but anyways dakota johnson it was taken away from her to try to act no offense yeah dakota johnson also is a cool girl i would have loved to see her try not to be a cool girl. I don't know if she could pull it Anne off. Elliot However, we will never, cool. we will never know. Um, how many also, minutes do? We, how many seconds do we have left? Oh, we have two minutes. Also, there's oh, a rabbit. Oh, okay, amazing. And there was no reason there should have been a rabbit. There is no reason. And like, they, also, like, I, like honestly, honestly, if they really, if they really wanted to give some sort of like animal metaphor like a bird in a cage could have yeah. been like a really cool thing like if she had She's a bird like talking to the bird and feeding yeah the bird. like it's like putting it on her finger and like having to transport the bird in the cage and like what if at the end she like lets the bird out nothing happens with that fucking bunny 
It's just something for her to hold. It's just like everyone's like, you know what would be really chic? And they're like, if she stands against a wallpaper that is so pretty, she looks so pretty, and then she holds this really pretty bunny. I'm like, honestly, yeah, that aesthetic yeah. is like so me, like, and I get it. So cool. But like, what? What if there were like two bunnies and they were like in love? Like, what? Like, what does? What purpose does the bunny serve? Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I know this is like filmmaking but Mm -hmm. i think when you add like innocuous details there should be a reason for them like aesthetics are like then then it's just like wes anderson you know like that's why we don't care about wes anderson anymore because it's aesthetics for the aesthetics Uh there was no rhyme or reason oh my god i'm so sorry daddy i'm so sorry (laughs) daddy but you know it i know it we all know it listen i'll be here to take 30 mantle 30 seconds when you're too tired (laughs) <laughs> pass the estate along to maddie and we'll oh, yeah. get the ball rolling oh yeah a hundred percent also i think one of the things that makes us mad is there were so many fabulous actors the colors were so pretty it had potential <sighs> it, it so had the budget it had potential it had potential i think that's did. what makes us the most mad it was so sad and i think yeah there was just it was just a disappointment and also all around all around sad 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 Sad. Okay. Cry, now, cry, cry. Bangs, cry, bangs, bangs, bangs. Bangs, bangs, bangs. Now <laughs> we are done. Are done. And I think it's good that, that we good. put it into six minutes because I think yeah. we didn't – we like had to like really make it. We had to most. really – we had to really cut down on, on – On what we were What we say. really wanted to say. The creator of it um, got the idea to make Persuasion this way because they watched a Jane Austen or a period piece with their daughter and they were like, why do all the girls fall and are so weak and meek and mm-hmm. are like this? And she was like, you know what? I'm going to make a kick-ass Jane Austen character and just throw the, thing. throw the book out the window. Jane Austen has lots of kick-ass characters. Yeah. She has lots of lady lady characters who like like if you really wanted to do that, I think doing Mansfield Park and taking like a really cool contemporary take on the character of Mary Crawley cuz she needs Crawley. an update, let's be real. Oh, she really does. But like she's she is like the a badass woman for that. Like that was Jane Austen's interpretation of like a woman sort of like living living like a very contemporary lifestyle in contrast to Fanny Price. But I don't think Anne the thing is like it makes me sad that you wouldn't watch Persuasion and think that Anne Elliot in her softness and her subtleties is badass. Yeah, I think that's one right? I I think like we one thing so we watched it at the same time and messaged the whole time. It's very fun. Yes, we did. And I think <laughs> as I was ranting, I really was just teaching myself things. Um, but I think one of the beautiful things is both Wentworth and Anne are two people who care about people. I think they're both very loving people. And most yeah. everyone in the story just kind of are like takers, which is fine. Some people in your life, like the little sister Mary, are takers and that is their cross to bear. But I think yeah. Anne and Wentworth are the only two people who really could take care of the other one. And both yeah. are very gentle and soft and uh, sensitive people. And so I think then opening themselves back up to vulnerability, to rejection again, to living in that grief and that pain, then wishing they had been bolder people, that's like what's that- beautiful. And that, and and then accomplishing that in spite of everything, in spite of the easy way out, where went with absolutely could have gone and married Louisa and probably would have been just fine. Yeah. Um. I also think that one thing I didn't love about this adaptation, which I think is like a very small part but very crucial, mm. and this isn't me being mad about it because I understand why they would have gone this route but the character of lady russell is supposed to be like a surrogate mother for anne elliot and for all of you know the elliot sisters but anne is the one who's sort of like taken to her the most and lady russell is like an incredibly dynamic character and very complicated especially within like the jane austen 
in a pantheon because a lot of times her characters can be very uh it's usually just the protagonist that alters and changes no one goes through like a very significant a, a tilting turn or it's usually like you know you know like a wickham where the protagonist mm-hmm. looks at them and then all of a sudden they're altered lady russell is the reason why wentworth and anne did not get together because Lady Russell was the only mother figure that Anne ever had. And when she was young, she was persuaded by someone who didn't necessarily have her or or, or who in her mind had her had Anne's best interest at heart, but ultimately did not have her best interest at heart. And Anne, at the age of 20, the ripe old age of 28, comes to the realization it over the course of this story that Lady Russell, like, it is not the end-all be-all of opinion and decorum and did not necessarily know what was best for Anne. And Anne was persuaded incorrectly. Alternately, it's not just her like going with Wentworth and like finding love. It's her differentiating from her parental, the only parental figure she's ever had, which is like a huge step and one of the biggest reasons why she's able to go and like accomplish what she can. And Lady Russell is not stoked on her and Wentworth getting together even at the very end, which they didn't do. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting, like maybe it was hinted at the beginning and we'll never know because I'm never rewatching it. But um, I don't even know if it's really uh, shown that it was kind of uh, Lady Russell's by Lady Russell's yeah. instruction and maybe this is me and my perfect version of the book in the movie I play in my head but from what I understand also and I think it's also like my mom has my best interest at heart and sometimes tells me things that I don't end up doing or I don't agree huh. with but I know she loves me and she's saying it because she cares hi mom um, which mm-hmm. I think is lovely and then I might do something else. And also I can still understand like, hey, my mom is not evil. She does love me. That is why she gave that advice. But she doesn't understand. And that's okay. Which is a very mature, complex thing that Anne, I believe, executes. Goes through. Yeah. There's never a villain reveal that actually – Like it's just – People who love you sometimes give bad advice. And I also, I think it's like a bigger story about like growing up. Mm -hmm. Like it's really about like that, the, the, like I would say Jane Austen in terms of like a lot of her stories are about women going from being girls to being women, not Mm -hmm. just in the, you know, sort of, like, societal, cultural, like, marital sense, I guess, for the time. But, like, most of the time, what signifies them as being able to enter into a space where they can be in, like, a healthy, mature relationship is that they've overcome something or they've learned something about themselves or they've differentiated from their parents or there is a truth that they thought was very hard and fast and true about their young adult lives that was then uh complicated and then like reconfigured by whatever of their circumstances and i think Anne, especially her being an old maid Mm -hmm. oh which is another thing that i really hated about this adaptation is that like the reason why the reason why Anne is the way that she is is because she feels like her life is over. But also I feel like there is a gentle acceptance yeah. to, like, to like Anne like, in the no, beginning I'm... of the book. Mm-hmm. You know? She's, no, she's like she's not crying, she's not drinking red wine, she's no. not she's like, No, this is my life now, I'm going and like perhaps I'm not happy and like I don't want to go to bath, but like I'll go stay with my sister and I'll go be a great aunt to my nephews. Yeah, I, th- I think I'll, that I'll is... play piano and I'll. <laughs> and But I think Anne has specifically gone like, okay, don't have what I have. But it's like, it's yeah. like I think she has like therapized herself. Like she's mm-hmm. like, okay, what do I have? My nephews. I love my nephews. Yes. My sister. She's ridiculous. But, you know, I, but I, I love, love her. her. And I have my sister's in-law. I have... She in in. In the adaptation of the 1995 adaptation, mm-hmm. she loves 
um, like Mary, she loves the uh, Musgraves. Musgraves. Louisa, is it Musgrove or Musgrave? She loves them. Like, and they love her. She has this like extended family that she adores. And she's like exquisite at piano. She reads a lot. She has this like very contented, happy life. And it isn't until Wentworth is like thrown in her presence that she has to confront these longings that she thought she had killed yeah. and like that's like where the tension is and that's yeah. why it's so good and, and it's, she's not a stalker she's no okay question for you okay are you a jainite mm. mm. i don't know if i am do you have anything that is not a gift because i do have some gifts with like um you have bewitched me, mind, body, and soul. I don't. Do you have – it is a truth universally acknowledged. I literally do not. Here's the, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. I was thinking about – I was thinking about why this adaptation feels so – like why any Jane Austen adaptation feels important, feels weighty. Anytime we do like a – you know, like even like a clueless, like we're doing like a modern inter- like a Bridget Jones diary. Why is that important? Why do why does the larger cultural oh, feel so deeply about it? And I realized, and this is an original thought to me, no one's ever thought of this before. <laughs> Jane Austen is who she is because the the, the sort of like revival, the sort of um, Regency revival that happened in the late 80s and the early 90s was in the hands of people who really loved and respected her. Mm-hmm. Like Jane Austen has not been Jane Austen for, you know, years and years and years. and years. It's, She has not had the same level of like relevancy for, you know, centuries since her work was published. There, she was always there and was sort of always like a very classic, you know, literary figure. But there was not, it, it wasn't really until like the 1990 Sense and Sensibility adaptation where Emma Thompson loved and like just. And got absolute, her. I think like there's something about it. a super yeah. clever, clever yeah. woman understanding Who what to do with that material. And for a lot of us, that's our introduction to Jane. And that is sort of our interpretation of Jane. And so when we have adaptations that don't hold the source material in any, like, ounce of respect, um, with any ounce of nuance, like, that's why it's upsetting. That's why this persuasion is upsetting is, yeah. I totally agree. I think now I'm going to start talking about – I'm going to do the analysis of the analysis of okay, 2022's Persuasions. So there are Wait. two different camps. I'm so happy because uh, here it comes. Um, okay, so there's the critical response and then there's the J-Knight response. Uh, famously, actually, people were mad about Hugh Grant being cast in Sense and Sensibility because he was too handsome for that role. Right. And also, J-Knights just were so... Actually, like, our generation's going to be surprised. A lot of us were actually introduced through 2005's Pride and Prejudice. It was PG, it was romantic, it was gorgeous. And actually, J-Knights during that time were very mad about it. Keira Knightley was much too pretty. Um, Yeah. It was... Um, it was just people were mad about that. So, I mean, people are mad about this persuasion. But anyway, so I messaged my friend because I famously, if you're a Jainite, I'm sorry. If you have a Jane Austen tattoo, if you have a tote bag, I naturally, <laughs> I don't hate you because I know a lot of no. my friends are Jainites. However, I'm a little skeptical of you. I was bullied by a Jainite <laughs> in high school. Um, I'm going to call her Mo Fizz. Um, I love you, Mo. We grew up together. Um, Should we that- call her Caroline Bingley? <laughs> yeah, she kind of was. But um, Mo Fizz was, um, I do love her because when you know someone since you were five, you really can't hate them. But like she would brag about reading Jane Austen for fun. And I was like, 
you know, dyslexic as shit. I was like, I don't know how to read. She once took away my YA book and read it in front of the whole class to embarrass me. But the whole class was like most really mean and just like didn't laugh at me. But like she did. Thank goodness. I know. And then but it was just like very much I already thought I was too stupid to understand Jane Austen. And so it was just mm-hmm. a reiteration of it. So any girl who is like, I understand Jane Austen and kind of has like a clutch over it, I naturally don't trust. Yeah. However, I message very smart Kate, Kate Bryce. Ooh. Very smart Kate wrote me about Janeites because she is one mm-hmm. and I love her. Okay, so this is the thing. I think there's a significant crossover between Janeites and whatever the fuck you call Shakespeare bimbos, which is a thing. But there are so many more men who are into William Shakespeare. And so Janeites have to deal with people constantly fucking with their girl and being misogynistic to both the origin source material and the fans themselves, and it makes them like feral, which mm. snaps to very smart Kate. I listened to about four hours by different Janeites ranting and kind of treating the 2022 like it was stupid. Like, you're so mm. stupid. Didn't you understand mm. that Louisa jumping meant this? Don't you understand that she would never drink red wine like my Anne would never? And it's like our Anne in mine, and how dare you? And I personally, coming from a Shakespeare background, my favorite Othello I've ever seen was a ballet. And Shakespeare is obviously spoken. It was a Russian ballet. It was stunning. And I was like, you know what? If someone wants to take a source material that is beautiful as is, and if you want to try something, go for it. I will not make fun of someone trying. Am I going to critique it? Sure. But I yeah. think the issue I had with the Jane Knight critique in general, people saying, this is mine, and how dare you try something. My favorite video about this, for one, I am, um, hello to Jason Isaacs. I'm a huge fan of the Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo podcast. It's, if if you get the reference, girlies, you get it. But um, I don't. I know. Hello to Jason. So it's a 20, it's a 20 plus year running BBC one podcast review duo. Jason Isaacs like Lucius Malfoy? No, no, no. So one of the inside jokes is if you, (laughs) if you meet a fan of the podcast, you go, hello to Jason Isaacs. And they go, hello to Jason Isaacs. And then Jason Isaacs listens to it every week. He's a big fan and he'll listen to it and he'll go, Hello, I'm Jason Isaac. Whenever he <gasps> oh my hears, gosh. and then you say, "Well, guys, hello I, to Jason Isaac." Hello to Jason Isaacs. I'm a proud member of the church, which is what the fans of his podcast say. So his podcast, oh he great. No, 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 no. It's like it's. What's the name of this podcast? So they started on. It used to be a radio, um, a radio program every week, and since then, get that money, daddies. They have started. Um, they left BBC. And let me see what their new podcast is. Um, It's called Kermode and Mayo's Take. And I bet they're getting stupid money. And y'all, he's my, I love reviews. I love criticism. And his, he just like, he's not a Janeite, but he's British and he understands the canon. He under, he's seen plenty of period dramas. And he said what, which is what Maddie and I kept trying to do. He said, pretend it's not persuasion and it's fine it's just fine it's fine it's like a c and it's something that you say you're gonna watch with a girlfriend and then it plays in the background and you glance you, and you go oh henry golding and then you go back he's to so talking. hot yeah and you then, go back to talking about why this boy won't text you back <laughs> we'll bring it up again and then another video that i liked i some more i've come out since i did my deep dive a couple nights ago is also um the youtube channel modern girls modern girls guys modern girls is so good I love Modern Girls. It's not a rant, and she does give suggestions, which one of them that we loved is how they did Persuasion. They should have applied that to Northanger Abbey, and it would have been a much more yes. successful adaptation. And also feel like she's in a movie. A movie. <gasps> yes. Like the character of Catherine would absolutely believe that she's in a story and a film. Okay. I Yeah, I felt a rant coming. Jane Austen has been so saturated and desaturated and 
convoluted in a way where we have a show like Bridgerton that basically exists because of Jane Austen. And so she and the work that she represents is more, I can understand why it would be much more of like a vibe. However, Fleabag, the, the, like, that to me was the part that I can get the, like, actually angry about. The, the thing that made me the most angry was, like, the blatant, like, you know that in that pitch meeting to whatever executive, they were like, so it's like, it's like Jane Austen, but like with a flea bag twist. And it, to me, that is lazy and that is stupid. And actually, it's not even stupid. It's actually very smart. It's very, it's a smart move to say a flea bag. And you know, <laughs> some executive over at Netflix just like lost their minds. But to do that, to like, to truly say like, oh, a woman looking at the camera and being like kind of a hot mess is flea bag. It's like such a disservice to what it came from and is like so disrespectful <laughs> to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> and you said something really lovely. You said something really, really funny. What I love about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and I know I'm right, is I know she just had people have been telling her like, oh, have you seen Persuasion? Have you seen it? And you just know she like gave a cheeky little laugh and she was like, oh God. And then just... And then just continued with her day. Like, she really... Yeah. What's lovely is the person who cares the least about persuasion. I did have... Is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Thank God. As Maddie puts on the filmmaker's lens, I will put on the theater person lens. What's Mm. interesting is I did call this a play. What's so... is I And then I thought about... I was like, what's so funny is Fleabag started as a one-woman play, and it translated beautifully to a tv show because the writing was correct also guys little insider scoop the guy who was the original during the one person play there was like this audio of different men that she would listen to um i met the man who did the voices for all of it he once filmed me for a self-tape and he said she like it was like the day before it opened and he's like you know phoebes is it ready and she was like oh no (laughs) she was like ma it's fine i'll write it (laughs) Um, she just like <laughs> whipped it out um, because uh, as we can all tell, she's an actual genius. Okay. So we've talked about this. A l- we've touched on it a little bit, but w- we can go into why Persuasion on Netflix 2022 didn't need to be made. Yep. Genuinely, no need. It did not need to be made. And I, I don't <laughs> – I – think that there could have been something really fun and delightful with it but even if it had been like an incredible adaptation I don't think I would have been like oh my gosh I'm so excited to see this because I think there already is a perfect adaptation that exists just no one's seen it (laughs) and I think one of the things that bonded us was like it was also my first persuasion which I think has a big Mm. impact but it was just yeah. exactly the movie that I saw in my head was yeah. this. Also, guys, I'm sorry. Anne Elliot needs to be plain looking. She just needs to be about, plain. And I'm what sorry. What I love about the 1995 version is they do this like really, really subtle thing where they they don't do like, oh, she takes her glasses off and suddenly she's Megan Fox. They very subtly like just sort of bring a little bit more color into Amanda Roots. Like at the very beginning of Persuasion 1995, she's like pallid. um, And she's wearing these like super high collars. She looks incredibly matronly. She looks as, she is dressing as matronly as she feels. And as the course of the film goes on, it's so subtle. The costuming is so like, it's so good. But they just start they give like the curls around her forehead they just loosen them a little bit they put a little bit more color into her cheeks and you can see her like coming alive because she's been reintroduced to this person that she thought was out of her life and even though she doesn't feel like he will ever love her back just the fact that she is feeling something 
mm-hmm. is enough to like sort of bring her to life and like you begin to see her how Wentworth sees her. I was just about to say beauty is in the eye of the beholder and I think she starts <sighs> seeing herself through Wentworth's <gasps> eyes. <laughs> and the thing that I hate about the one of another thing I hated about this version is the 2022 version is that like Dakota Johnson looks exactly the same from the beginning to the end. You don't feel like what was the point of all of that? What was the point of it all? And also, I I don't think she should we should have seen that first scene where her and Wentworth are together. We're not supposed to know what was what they were like together. We're not, we're we're supposed to go in absolutely not having no context for this previous relationship. And and feel everything. <laughs> this is like it's futile. It's it's so futile. <laughs> I think Sally Hawkins is probably like to me visually and in terms of like the. I I think if you're gonna get the most extreme version of Anne, like if you really want that like intensely, um, the 1995 version can be a little boring. I I will I will allow that. If you do not understand, like, the nuances of the story, not everything is clear. The Sally Hawkins version is a great starter film because I think it interprets Anne's awkwardness in a more contemporary way. So, like, you, as someone who exists in the 20th, 21st century, understand the way this person is acting is awkward. Versus in the 1995 version, you might not get that. Because it's very British. <laughs> and also, yeah, like, I was going to say, the it's whole like, thing is awkward. It's, it's so British that, like, you don't even know. Like, you're not even realizing, like, how restrained everyone's being. Unless you have, like, an extreme context for, like, period pieces of that era. Um, I feel like I do, we missed this. But we should maybe talk about. A few things, and I know there are a few things from this adaptation, the 2020 adaptation, that they got right. Yeah, a timer for two minutes. Okay, wait, reset, go. Okay, on the count of three, who did we love? One, two, three. Mary. Mary. Hail Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary. The, I wouldn't say she's like, by and large, like my favorite interpretation but i would say no one like i don't i think they're all they all rank equally but this Uh, mary like mia mckenna bruce mia mckenna bruce incredible she really like whatever the director told her whatever she brought to the table like that that to me was the most fun version of mary that i'd seen and the one that i got the most Also, I mean, one of the things I loved is the movie wanted us to laugh at Mary in a mean way, and they wanted us to bond over not liking Mary. And because this actress had the stupidest lines, like, I'm an empath, she was like, you know what, I know the source material, and this is a bad line, but but she still delivered it like... What was it? I I just, I thought, even like the line, I am an empath, sure, awful. But then also her saying, so then I am the least equipped to look after my boys. It's actually harder for me. I thought that was funny, even though the empath line is cringe. It was. Every line delivered was like perfect. And she had some of the worst ones, you know? She really did. No, that could have been an insufferable role and she absolutely killed it. She's adorable. Okay, what's another thing we liked? Uh, the cinematography. Like, the the film was shot so beautifully. There were so many scenes that, like, a painting. Yeah. I, I will say, I will say, I, there, were, there were a couple parts where we metaphorically looked at one another, locked eyes with our fourth, with our camera breaking the fourth wall and went, okay, 2005 Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I was like, so... Y'all watched 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, yeah. and, and you were like, someone, okay, this is it. <laughs> okay, this is what you do. Because it's like, it's yeah. cool to definitely pay homage to visually what the general public viewing is the most familiar with. Yes. And so, of course, you're going to show homage, but we also know all the other ones. And you didn't show homage to any of the other ones. Literally any of them. And then, Literally any of them. Literally. And then also, but what did we really, really like? 
Ready? One, two, three. Richard the colors. E. Grant. No. Oh. No. <laughs> Let's no, do no, it the again. colors. The color. Sorry, that was me <laughs> saying the cinematography. The colors were so beautiful, and the costumes. They're honestly all the other costumes besides Dakota Johnson's and a couple scenes were like very historically accurate. The costumes were great. They were beautiful. Everyone was totally fine. It was just the hair that was off, but like only Dakota Johnson. Okay, I am not wild about the 1996 Pride and Prejudice. For one, it's not my first. But also, the hair is really ugly, and everyone has bad hair. And it really bugged me. The The reason why I loved Emma 2020 is yeah. because the hair was period accurate. Yes. But they went, like, they went over the top with how accurate it was. Yes. And, like, and that was sort of fun to watch. Where, like, anything that the BBC puts out typically is... Like, we're going to be – this is basically shot on location. We got in a time machine. Uh-huh. We traveled back to um, 1815 and shot it then. Like, that's that's what the BBC does. But, like – No artistic licenses. I taken. remember the 1996 and Jane – I get mad at me. But um, I just remember seeing the hair and everyone's like, this is the best version. And I was like, this feels like bullying. Like, this hair is oh. so mean. It's like, oh, mean. I remember Jane in particular has such oh. an oval head. And, and her hair is like, like up on her head right here. Oof. And her ringlets are so good. Listen, I know. Listen, listen, mm. listen. Mm. No hate to that actress. Mm-mm. No hate to that actress nope. but there's a part of me that when they're like oh jane is the most beautiful ever i'm like are you sure are you sure she's the prettiest one are you positive and i think it was the hair <laughs> i think we've kind of covered what we've learned but i think now the way to end it what would jane say about this i have a theory what do you think? My theory is that she was, um, she was like, um, yeah, I did what I had to do for a check, and you would do it too. I think you know. I think <laughs> just like Phoebe Waller Bridge is being compared to Emma exactly. Thompson. Emma Thompson did a great job with Jane Austen, and I think Jane is like, hey, girls, hey. Um, thanks, you know. Thank you so much. Calm down. I like money. Yeah. And I I don't agree with this, you know. Yeah. She's like, oh, this sucks. But, like, then she sees the dollar bills and she's like, bazinga. And I think that's, like, beautiful. Like, that's the most girl boss thing of all. Yeah, I think it's – I think her reaction (laughs) is, like, Phoebe Waller-Bridges where she just goes, oh, Gold. And then just because, oh, gold. And just laughs because people are not as smart as her and she enjoys that. And then she goes on to write a, a, a beautiful a beautiful book. And she goes on to write Best Exotic Marigold Motel. Hotel. Hotel. Oh, it's so good. Sorry. Okay, no, That's it's fine. It's just have you seen it? Yeah, I love it. Bill Nye and Judy Dench falling in I love. Know. Did someone and Maggie Smith being racist? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, well, we're not going into that. Yeah, is there is there anything else? Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention before we move on to our uh, plugging where? <laughs> Where any sort of like past lovers from eight years ago can come and reconnect with us. I um okay. Oh gosh, I don't want any of that. I know. Um, yeah. But uh, I yeah, you can find me at Rebecca Botter on Instagram, and you can find the Instagram of the pod at Lonely Girls Podcast. And for the love of good grief, please rate. And review, if review. you can, on the podcast, because guess what? We are loosely connected to a podcast where mean New York boys are mean. They have 29 reviews. 
We have 16 and we're better than them. And how dare mean boys have more five stars than us? Six more reviews, please. We just want to please just give us six more reviews. That's all we need. 20. We just want to meet. I just want to beat out these mean boys. Yeah, please help us. Do it for the this nice girls. This is what girls. Jane Austen would have wanted. Oh, Jane Austen hates mean boys, famously. So please, please review us. And um, oh, if you need to find me for any reason, I'm on Instagram at Turner Madeline. Mm-hmm. I'm on TikTok at Madeline Turner. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also a Lonely Girls playlist on Spotify. Yeah. For Lonely Girls. And you can check that out. Um, we would love to know your thoughts on this episode on uh, the adaptation of persuasion. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, any any lonely girl content you want us to dive the fuck into, let us freaking know. Let we'll us make freaking it know. And also, I did realize we did not mention Henry Golding. Thank you so oh. much for Henry Golding. I know the thank girlies you, Henry are going to come for us. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, Henry. You. Thank you, Henry Golding. You made this. You were. I literally let out a relieved exhale every time you were on screen. So thank you for that. I hope you get better opportunities to just breeze onto screen and make people go. (sighs) Yes, I knew people would come for us. Okay, so thank goodness we avoided that. All right, we love you guys. Okay, we love you guys. Remember, stay stay lonely. lonely. But not but not alone. Alone. Gosh. Bye. Bye. <laughs>